I believe that when you step back and look at your life, there is a reason why you end up in certain places. And I believe a lot of it's tied to what you believe. Your future, the options you have in your life, are all linked and tied into your belief. I had this, I had this great thought the other day. Whenever you see a two, that means there's, there's at least two, two ones. Whenever you see four, how many ones are involved in that? Four, right? Want to count them out with me, please? This is the drill, people. Ready? Work with me. Come on. One, two, three, four. So whenever you see a four or a ten or whatever it is, so if you see four problems in your life, there's probably something that led to that. There, there's a, there is a reason why we have this kind of math issue. The math. What, what led to the financial issues, the emotional issues? What led to the problems? And so I, sometimes I'll look at people and they'll tell me something and, and, and they'll say, well, it, it just happened. I said, that's bad math. Normally nothing just happens. There is a one and a two and a three, and that's how we got to a four. There's something that led to that. And the real key in life is figuring it out. I just got sick one day. Really? No, really. Come on. It's Snickers. It's, <laughs> it's, an, it's one, two, three, no exercise. It's a combination of things that tend to lead to why we can't get along. We just don't like each other. We were close and now we're distant. Why? There's a reason. The math, do the math. Can we say that? Come on. Say do the math. We've got to do the math. And we've got to do some honest math. And the math is tough sometimes because we have to admit, okay, I put that one in. I put, okay, that's, those two are mine. And you have to get really honest. And sometimes there's 10 reasons why this family doesn't want to get together in fellowship. And, and there are 10 good reasons. We had a fight the first time. We had a fight the second time. I mean, they got reasons why it's, not, it's, it's risky. And so sometimes if we can have that honest math moment, it changes everything. Even if, life, say, for example, life is not going well for you, and, and you're not even fair to yourself. You know, you didn't do all this. The reason you're hesitant about guys is because you've been hurt by a guy or two. Do the math. Look back and see why you don't trust women or why you have these issues. If you can get really honest with yourself and, and say these things, these math experiences affected what I believe. That's why I don't like church. I don't like church. I'm home right now streaming because I can't stand church for these five reasons. They keep me too long. See, at least now when I'm streaming, I can cut you off when I'm finished. Right? You, people have reasons. And the real goal is to figure out the reasons. I was really amazed. Um, I learned this lesson from a little girl named Andalyn years ago. Um, Sharon Hester and, and Travis Hester's daughter, oldest daughter. And we kept her. We babysitted her one time. And she knew sign language. I never had dealt with a kid who knew sign language ever. But when they are little, you can teach them, you know, I mean, very early in life, you know, more, more, out. it's all kind of signs. Anyway, so, yeah, more and whatever. So she, she knew sign language, and so she would communicate with you, and she wouldn't cry. She would sign. And so there were these things she would just sign, and I, I, I found it was amazing Babies cry because they can't communicate sometimes. Young kids get frustrated because they can't get you to understand what they're saying. And so she was trying to, I have this, Dan, the big Mickey fan, so Dan has these big 
big mouse as big as me almost in my house. And this big mouse, Mickey Mouse, he has his own chair and everything <laughs> in my bedroom. He's really amazing. He's, he's anyway, move on. So, and it's us, I like him. We've made, we, we're friends now. But anyway, so he's sitting there. And so we just feel like, okay, this is a new kid in the house. And, we just, and so we're going to show our mouse, right? Because all the kids know who Mickey Mouse is. So she goes in, she sees the mouse, and she's so excited. She likes the mouse, and oh, she's excited. So then we take her, and later on, she does this. So I'm thinking, why is this kid walking around the house doing this? And she does this all day. Every now and then she goes, which means show me the mouse again. But we're going, what's wrong with her? Why is she doing this? Well, they start making up their own signs, too. To, to sign was closest to the thing that they remember, and the ears stuck out, stood out to her, so now this means Mickey Mouse. So uh, her parents come in uh, later on in the day, and I said, can I ask you a question? Why is she doing this? And they said, do you have a Mickey Mouse? I said, oh, yeah, okay, right. I'm the dumbest guy in here. I showed her the mouse before. And so there's something about understanding how there's a reason. When you add up what I did that day, you could see why she wanted to see the mouse. If I never showed her the mouse, she would never thought about it. There are some things that people believe and do and ways people act because of the math. So sometimes you need to give yourself a break and understand, okay, this is a math issue. I need to go back and, re and, and check my figures and put these numbers in perspective. This happened to me a long time ago. It's not happening now. This person didn't do that to me, so I shouldn't blame them for that. I should not make them pay for what happened to me when I was abused. That's not his fault. He didn't do that. I have to learn how to put this into a right context. That business experience was bad, but that doesn't mean all business experiences have to be bad. We can do a good deal, make money, and be happy. Everybody can be fine. We don't have to blame every past business encounter with the same, you know, well, I'm not going to let it happen to me again. I, we just met. How are you? What's your name? We don't need to complicate everything. Can I get an amen if you hear me? Amen. All those things, all those math issues affect what you believe. And, and, and I believe it affects you and it affects those you lead. And that's what we're going to focus on today. Those you lead and the people that you influence are impacted by the way you believe. And so for a minute, I want you to kind of step out and understand that. This is about how you impact people. Everybody that follows you or in, that's under your leadership or influence is impacted by what you believe. There's a verse in the Bible that I love, and it, it, um, it, it's Jesus talking in Matthew 9, verse 29. Here's what he said. Then he touched their eyes, this is some blind guys, saying, according to your faith, read it with me, please, come on. According to your faith, let it be unto you. And their eyes were open. This is a story about two blind guys we're going to look at, and then one guy who was a guy who struggled with believing. The two blind guys are going to be our examples of guys who believed and the results they had. And this phenomenal statement that Jesus makes, according to your faith, so be it unto you. This, this incredible verse, this incredible statement that implies that my faith has a direct impact on what happens to me. And so if I, if I don't like my results, I need to change and look at what I believe. That could be impacting my math issues. Could, could be impacting all of that. Let me review what we talked about last week. So if you want to go back, you can listen to the sermon. It's always posted online. You can listen to it for free. 
the last time we talked about the proof that, that a man believed. His name was Abraham. He was our main study last time. We looked at four things about him. First of all, he was willing to be tested. That was, a, that was proof that he was a man who believed. He didn't mind a test. He didn't complain about being tested. Some of us do. We don't want any tests. We don't want any problems. We want everything to be perfect. But if you really believe God, you don't mind a test. That's part of going to college, right? Part of going to school. Part of learning. Secondly, he was willing to walk through a confusing season. As a matter of fact, to be honest, several confusing seasons, but one major one. He didn't have a child. He wanted to have a child, and he walked through 25 years of waiting. We don't like long waits. We want everything today, and we get upset when it's not today, but that's part of it. Thirdly, he was willing to listen to new instructions. When new insights came down the pike, he didn't freak out. He said, okay, okay, what should I do now? And it's that great story I told you about how he almost, he was told to go out and slay his son. And God says, no, I want you to turn here. I don't want you to kill your son. I want you to do this. I, I know that I told you to, to do this, but I, he, I, wanted you to, I wanted you to make a commitment that was final and, and, and strong. And you can listen to the sermon and see what I, what I said about it. But he was willing to listen to new instructions. Say that with me, please. Come on. He was willing to listen to new instructions. It's a great study. Go take that, that son and only son and offer him as a sacrifice. And he went and he took the knife and he said, okay. And the son stood there and said, Dad, where's the sacrifice? And he said, I don't. He said, God will provide. And in the midst of, of that moment when he was, had the knife in his hand and the, and, the, and the angel said, stop. And he stopped. New instructions come sometimes in the middle of moments you think you know what you should do. Amen. You can be wrong. Spiritually clear in your heart and mind, but you need to stop. Number four. He was sure God would provide for his immediate needs. That's a great study. So look at that and enjoy that study. Here's a question for you today, our big question for the day, and I want you to think about this. Who do you know that believe themselves to a better place in life? There's power in what you believe. We saw last week Abraham's proof that he believed. But I want to ask you, who is the person in your life that you can name is a real model of believing? And I love this statement. They believed themselves to a new place. They started off here, and they believe themselves to a better place, a better life. Matter of fact, their life is way better than the previous generations. It's been my life commitment to, I'm not competing with anybody, but I'm, I've, I've, I made a commitment. I want my life to be better than the previous generation. I want to have better resources, and I, I want that for this church. Better resources, stronger, stronger uh, business savvy um, smart, smart steps. I want that for us. And, and, I, and so my goal is to believe to a better place. Now, some of you say, well, I'm, I'm there. My, my generation is doing better. And some of you say, no, we're a little behind. But whatever, I want you to, in this study, to understand this power in what you believe. If you believe you can do better, and you can be 65 years old, don't get hung up on your age. I studied Colonel Sanders the other day. I was floored. This guy failed several times. It's amazing. It's amazing how he kept getting up and he kept trying. He kept trying. So finally he struck it. You you're smarter than you've ever been. Can you say that with me? Please come on. Say, I am smarter than I have ever been. Now, is that true? Think about it. You've been dumber than this, right? You look back, you can't believe you made some of those choices. So why would you think you can't do it now? Let me show you two men that refuse to walk in unbelief. 
They model for us in Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. And excuse me, I don't have a copy of sermon notes. Is there, is there a parenthesis that's missing there? Am I right about that? Is, yeah. So let's, let's, let's put a line there and be okay. Say amen, huh? Praise God. Take all mistakes in love. Technology failed us. We, it, 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 sometimes you, well, you, if you understand technology, sometimes it deletes stuff you don't want to delete. So there's a couple of those you'll see in here, but we'll tell you what they are. First of all, just put the little line there, close the parenthesis, Matthew 9, 27 through 31. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe? What did he say? That's the question, right? That I am what? Able to do this. Now, here's what I want you to think about this. I don't think we really believe. That's my argument in this series, that God is able to do this. That's why we try to help him. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, let it be unto you. So you got two blind men coming to Jesus who want to see. And their eyes were open. This is amazing. And Jesus sternly warned them, saying, see that no one knows it. But when they departed, they spread the news and told everybody. And he never just, sometimes it's just the way it is. You can't see, now you can see. Now, I don't know whether these were guys who could not see from birth or these were guys who lost their sight at some point. I don't know. It doesn't tell us. But what's fascinating is that the, there, there are things that I think are important. And the first thing I want you to think about is you've got two guys who are banding together with a common problem, and they become partners in faith. They have a common issue. Both can't see, both want to see, both maybe could see at one point, now they, they, they want to see again. Whatever it is, notice that they're partners together. Who's your partner? Who is the person you band with? Who do you get with and say, let's believe together? Hopefully it's your spouse if you're married. Hopefully you have a good friend or someone that you partner with. I'm telling you, there's nothing like having people. If you make money, it's wonderful to tell somebody. Hey, man, I made $50. You know, you want to tell somebody. You know, there's something about being able to share the details of your life. So here's a guy, he's blind, and they're, they're walking around with this dream. We want to see. And there comes this opportunity where Jesus shows up, and now they have a chance to see. And so they go together. Now, how do you get two blind people anywhere? They figure it out. Hey, man, can you take us? We want to see Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Right, where is he? Okay, that way. Which way? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I love it. I love the fact that these are two guys. Sometimes your biggest issue is who you partner with. So notice with me, there are five questions that I believe, that show up in this story that will test what you believe. First question, do you believe enough to follow a dream that seems impossible? Their dream was impossible. Who do they know could see now? But they, they wanted to see. See, I want you to get out of your mind. Well, nobody can do this. Nobody's ever done this. Get that out of your mind. Second question, do you believe you can have what you lost? Let's pretend they lost their sight. Do you believe you can get it back? You're, you're, I like the fact that there are people who absolutely fail publicly, and then they get up and they try again. They get up and they, they make it happen. Third question, do you believe you can have what you have never had before? You've never had it, but you just, I just believe. So however you look at these blind guys, whether they had sight or didn't have sight, these are two guys who are believing for something, and it's driving them to act. 
Fourth question, do you, do you believe enough to make a temporary scene? Now, what's interesting is they, they start crying out in verse 27. They're making a scene. Do you know, you can't always get what you want being quiet. You have to ruffle the feathers sometimes. You have to stir the pot. No, I'm not going to accept that deal. No, I don't want to do that. No, no, no. There are moments when there's something about creating an atmosphere that's a little bit tense. Let me give you some examples. Do you know here they always start on time? Do you know why? Because I will create tension. <laughs> I've created tension. I had a rule. If they were not starting on time, I would, I would take over. You know they're in trouble because I came up. Now, 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 if you see me come up here now, I say, well, they must be in trouble. No, I, sometimes I just do it. Sometimes I want to start the service. Most of the time I don't because I don't want to do everything. Say amen. amen. And the reason I don't do everything is because I want to live a long time. If you're doing three services, watch this. I say it all the time. I don't know if you're here or not. If I do three services and I stand during all the worship, right, and then I stand during all the sermon, how long did I stand? The whole service. How long did you stand? Not the whole service. Is that fair? Everybody say no. No, it's not fair. So what I do is I'll, I'll stand during one, and then I'll, I'll just kind of divide my time up. My point is I believe there's something about sharing the load so that you don't wear one guy out. And then you ever seen a grumpy preacher? He tied. You need to rest. You need to send him on vacation. Brother, you need to go away for a week or two. Come back when you rested, and we'll be all happy. Come on, say amen. amen. If you, if you take, can I get a big amen on that one? Come on. Uh, come, come on. Amen. A lot, of times, a lot of times, that's the issue. I believe it's true for moms. I believe it's true for, for teachers. Yes, and I throw it in there. Teachers, right? People, people are tired, frustrated, and if you, if you back up a little bit, you regain yourself. There's something about that whole thing. Well, in this, in this story, you got these two guys, right? And they're believing for a new beginning. They're believing for something they never had before. And so here are the questions. Do you believe enough, number four? Do you believe enough to make a temporary scene? Sometimes that's necessary. Tension, challenge. You've got to raise the bar a little bit. We're going to clean this house. We're going to make it right. We're going to, you know, we're going to get out of here on time. You, you know, it's, it's not always... And this is what people don't get. Sometimes it's not always nice. I mean, it's, it, you make it as nice as you can, but we will start on time. So I got a countdown clock. Hey, when it says zero, we start. I've been places they start late. I just think it's amazing. I think it's phenomenal. And I, I love everybody, but I'm just saying there's something about respecting people's time. And there's something about trying to get out on time. And understanding that if I, if I don't have to preach everything I know about the Bible today. <laughs> haven't you been places that he's trying to tell me everything he knows about the Bible in one sermon? I'm trying to do, can you just spread it out? You got a whole year? You got 52 weeks, man. You can divide that dude up. And, you know, you must have been to that church, right? Is that what it is? <laughs> right. And there's, there's, there's something about getting that in your life. So... Accepting that there's going to be a little bit of uncomfortable moments in life and that, that these guys don't mind making a scene. They know what they want. Now, I'm not saying some of you would take that too far and really make a scene. I, I, I just want you to notice they're willing to speak out. Then the last question is this. Do you really believe God is able to fill in the blank in your life? Fill in the blanks. What do you, do you really believe? I think we don't. That was the question Jesus asked them. Do you believe? Now, here's, here's the trick in this. Watch this now. I used to think that meant 
and I mentioned this to, you last, this to you last week, that it's like a game. I want you to believe. Believe, 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 believe. I'm going to give you this phone. Believe, believe, believe. You believe? Come on. Ah, you got to believe more. You got you to show me your faith. Come on. Yeah, see, see, that's what we see. And that's not what he's saying. Here is the problem. The problem is if, if you don't believe. Now, I need you to do this phone. I'm going to use you. Put your stuff down for a second. Hand, hand to your wife. Stay there. Stay there. Stay there. Now, see, if I do the same game with him, right, and he gets tired and then he leaves. Leave. Leave. See, he left. Now I can't give it to him. You see what I'm saying? Because why can't he get the phone now? What did he do? Because he didn't believe anymore. Are you with me? The reason you didn't finish school is because you what? You stopped believing and you did what? Right, the marriage didn't work because you both stopped believing and what happened? You left. See, so when we leave, what happens? It's not, is, it, is it that God is holding it back? No. He says, according to your willingness to stay, according to your faith, you finish the master's program. Come on, say amen. Are you hearing me, right? According to your faith, you finish the job. According to your faith, according to your what? Faith. It's not just some magical thing that God's holding over your head. It really is a statement. He says, guys, if you believe me, they stayed. Blind men tried, and they said, we will weep, and, they, and God healed them. Could it be that you left too soon? Could it be that you're about to walk out on the job you need to hang in there with for a little longer? You have no place else to go anyway. You don't have no job offer. Why are you leaving? You need the money. Come on, be real. Back up the train here for a minute. <laughs> you know why people commit suicide? They stop believing. I can't recover from this embarrassment. I can't recover from that. So you just think I need to end it all. No, you don't. We need you. No, we need you. And let me tell you what we need. We need a believing you. We need you to get over what happened to you because you can't go back and change that and start where you are. Give me an amen if you hear me, church. I want to close with one thought, one guy. And, and I, I, I kind of want to couch this. I want to talk about Saul. That's where I'm headed. But I want to I put it in a, in a package where I first describe unbelief and where it shows up in our lives. Because unbelief shows up, but there, there are certain places that it shows up. First of all, generally unbelief shows up when trouble comes. James chapter 1 is one of the best places. This is the first, first verse I taught on when I was on television. First one. So it brings back memories every time I read it. James chapter 1. Verse, tw- verse, verse, verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith does what? Produces patience. But let patience have its per- perfect work. It's a perfecting work that, that you go through when you go through trials, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You need to, you need to have disappointing moments, challenging moments, difficult moments. That's part of your development. You have to understand that's part of it. Verse 5, if any of you, if you lack wisdom when you're going through those things, let him ask of God, who'll give you all the wisdom you need, liberally and without reproach. He won't laugh at you. I love that without reproach part. He won't laugh at you when you need wisdom. And it will be given to you, he says. Verse 6, let him ask in what? Faith with no doubting. Because if you doubt, you leave, you see? With no doubting. 
No doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And you've had that emotional experience where you're just up and down, up and down. Verse 7, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is, he's what, what is he called? Double-minded, unstable, and not some of his ways. What, what did he say? It, it goes throughout all of your life. Now, so here, here's the point. Unbelief shows up when you're in these kind of life challenges. This is when you're challenged to not believe. You're challenged to be unstable and to be up and down. Also, secondly, unbelief shows up when you're left alone. Now, this is an interesting story because I'm going to 2 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 10. And in 1 Samuel chapter 10, there's a study, there's a comment made about Saul. Saul is the first king of Israel, and Saul has been, in the previous chapter, in chapter 9, he's been an anointed king, chapter really the end of chapter 8. He's been anointed king of Israel. Samuel pulls him aside privately, pours oil on him and says, God wants you to be the next king. So he knows it. But I want you to notice how this guy struggles. He struggles believing. Throughout his life, when you look at what he does, he has this challenging problem with believing, even though he's the kind of guy who looks like he believes, at least from afar. You'll see that in a minute. So I want you, I want you to notice that in, in 1 Samuel chapter 10, they're, they're about to anoint Saul king, and he can't be found. He's hiding. And, and he's hiding because he's struggling with unbelief. He's alone hiding because he's, and he's afraid. Now, listen to this, why it says it. When Samuel, this is in 1 Samuel 10, 20. When Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come to, to near, near the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. That was Saul's tribe. He was a Benjamite. And when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of, of Matri was chosen. And Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. Now, so he has this little ceremonial thing he does, right? Samuel says, okay, I want all the tribes to come together. Then he says, okay, now he already knows who it's going to be. He already knows. He already told Saul, you're going to be next king. So he says, everybody line up, all 12 tribes. Then he says, okay, Benjamin, you come out, which is Saul's. Now he's trying to get down to Saul's family, okay? Then he says, okay, come on out, son of Kish. And then he says, we're looking for Saul. Watch this. It says, when they... Verse, um, verse 21, and, but when they sought him, when they sought Saul, they could not, he could not be found. Verse 22, therefore they inquired of the Lord. They had to pray, God, where is he? This is ordination service. He's going to be king of the nation. He's going to be the next president. Where is he? Watch this. Has the man come here yet? Everybody's asking. And the Lord answered, he's hidden in, he's hidden in, the, in the luggage. He's hiding in the equipment. He's over there and stuff, hiding. So what, watch what they do. So they, they ran and brought him from there. They had to go get him. This is the leader, by the way. This is a bad start. And, and when he stood among the people, now watch this now. He was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. He was tall, lean, good-looking. And I mean, he had long lots of hair. The Bible says later on, Samuel said to all the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? That there is no one like him among all the people. He's good looking. So all the people shouted and said, long live who? The king. Now, here's what you, want, what you know. Saul had the potential. That's why he got the job. But Saul had a problem. See, God chooses people with flaws. But, and it gives you a chance to overcome your flaws. 
But I want you to see there are, again, excuse the numbering problem we had there. Technology failed us again. There are four things I want you to see. It says five, six, seven, eight. It should be one, two, three, four. But watch this. Watch what I call early unbelief lessons from Saul's life. Okay? Early unbelief lessons from Saul's life. First of all, notice that unbelief will rob you of what you're chosen to do. I call it becoming a frustrated PhD, which means this. You are supposed to be a PhD level professor, but you're not. And that's why you're frustrated doing janitorial work. And you treat people like you're a frustrated PhD. This has nothing to do with me, but everything to do with what you did not do in your life. This is a guy, if you're not careful, who shows us how unbelief can rob you. He was supposed to be celebrating, but he's, he's hiding in luggage. Secondly, unbelief will, will trick you into hiding when you should be celebrating. When you should be celebrating opportunities, you, you're hiding. You're, you're frustrated. Somebody asked me just the other day, and I get to ask this a lot. They say, what do you think about doing multiple services, three services and traveling? And I said, opportunities. Are you kidding? But aren't you tired? I said, yeah, but I, I sleep. I mean, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to complain. I'm not gonna, I, I rarely use the word I'm busy, hardly ever. The reason I never hardly say that. I am, but I never hardly say it. Because I just feel like uh, everybody should, can, kind of can see that. I mean, that's not the point. If you're trying to talk to me, the last thing you need to hear is I'm busy. I'll just say I'll call you back. If you email me, I'll email you back. If I haven't, hey, hit me again. But most of the time, I'm on it. Most of the time. But there, you know, but there, there are moments when I think I should just say thank you, Jesus, for, for people who come hear you, people who watch you, people, hundreds of them. Give me a break. Why should I get to wear a nice little suit, you know what I'm saying, with some shiny shoes? Give me a break. What am I complaining about? What is my issue? How about everybody say, thank, thank you, you Jesus. Jesus. I told a brother that in Brazil one time. A pastor, a loving brother, wonderful brother. I never met him before, never seen him before. And he was complaining about his church, complaining about missions, complaining about all this. I said, Let me, can I ask him, didn't they pay for you to get here? I just asked him, did they pay for you to come? He said, yes, they did. I said, well, they, 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 they happy you here? Yeah. I said, well, well why, why, why are you complaining? I said, this is what you ought to say, real slow. Thank, pause. You, pause. Jesus, pause. That's all you should say. Good to meet you, bro. You know what I mean? I was, what, what is all this? I, it was just too much for me. I couldn't take it after a while, you know. And he's a good brother. And so funny, he sent me a, a text on WhatsApp. And you know what he said? If, WhatsApp is like a text, international text option that people use all, all over the world. And so he WhatsApp, they call it WhatsApp. He WhatsApp me and said, thank, pause. You, pause. Jesus. <laughs> I got it, Temple. I got it. There's something about being thankful and learning how unbelief can rob you of celebrating the job you tried to get. You went and applied. You went now. Now you're complaining about it. Give me a break. Didn't you apply? Did they come get you or did you go get them? Why don't you say thank you? Can we practice a thank you? Thank you. No, better than that. Come on, say thank you. Thank you. You know, you ought to say thank you. You ought to say just back up for a second. I don't want to be crying at my funerals of my kids or my wife because I didn't say thank you when they were living. Say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the challenge. Thank you. Thank you. There's, there's something about the engaging process that we go through that we complain about. You complain, you know, you complain about grandchildren. You know, what a blessing to have them harassing your life and, and eating your stuff when you're trying to eat. I have to eat in secret now. I can't eat in public. I have to hide my food. I, you know what I'm saying? I can't 
It's just amazing. You know, I can't just get some grapes. I just think I was crazy. I went in the refrigerator and I got some grapes. I just thought I could eat some grapes. I just thought I could eat some grapes. I just went and got them like I always did. And she said, hey. <laughs> I said, oh. <laughs> yes, yeah, this is I eat Milani like grapes. And then the next word is Milani grapes. No, they're not your grapes. They're mine. But, but that whole exchange and all that goes with it and the whatever comes with it. Oh, grown children, thank God they made it to that age. Come on, say amen. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Two more and we're done, almost. Unbelief in your life will make those around you work harder. I, I noticed in verse 27 that the guys had to run and bring him. Whenever you are walking in unbelief, you make it harder for everybody around you to deal with you. People have to encourage you more. And I, you know, I, I see people do this sometimes. They say, can I talk to you? Because I'm really going through a hard time. Now, I like people. I don't mind that. I don't mind helping. So don't, don't take this wrong. But that shouldn't be every time I see you. You, you know what I'm saying? It's just, oh, my brain. My brain will say, oh, here comes worn out. My brain defines people. I don't try to do it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm not trying to do that. But if every time you see me, you ask me for something, I'm going to say, oh. You know, so there's this whole thing that you want to be careful how you train people to see you. I work on that. I'm really big on that. I've, I've, watch this, ready? I've convinced you that I'm about done. I trained you. You believe, oh, he's almost done. He got one more point. <laughs> he's done, man. That boy's, we out of here. We're going to go to the food truck. We're fine. He's he finished. You, you've, you're convinced. You're convinced. And, and that's, there, there's something to say about what you convince people to believe about you. When people saw Saul, they thought hard work. Where is he now? He's hiding in the luggage. Let's go get him. Drag him out there. Hey, man, you know you're supposed to be king. Come on. <laughs> Last point of the day. Unbelief can hide behind good looks and can hide behind economic advantage and can hide behind fame. I think it's amazing, and there's more descriptions later on in the Bible about how good Saul looked. When the Bible says you fine, you fine. <laughs> Let's be clear. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no questions. Head and shoulders above everybody. You knew he was coming. That's Saul. He's good-looking, he's wealthy now, he's famous now, and he's walking in unbelief. What's behind the way you look? Here's my challenge. Get a haircut, get your nice suit, shine your shoes up, do what you can do with what you got. But what's behind this? Is there insecurity, fear? It, and, and how have... How has my life impacted those who are influenced by me? Do I spread a spirit of doubt and unbelief? Am I, am I the kind of person that makes it hard for people to help me, to love me, to be with me? Am I one big mountain climb all the time? You got to really watch what you say. You can't make a mistake. It's just touchy. need to do a sermon on that touchy. Just touch it. And it's because you believe it's okay. 
maybe you should change. There's some more stuff I want to talk to you about. And, and it's not in your notes, by the way. With the list you have there of upcoming sermons, believe me, they're going to come, but somewhat of a different order. Next week, I'm going to talk about being free, building a future that frees you next week. And then I got some other treats, so you can look at them later. But I just want to say this to you. God's able to bless you. You believe that? Amen. Lift your hand with me, please. How do you want to be blessed? Come on. Father God, we declare in Jesus' name your word on our life. We declare in Jesus' name that you've called us to be a blessed people. We're thanking you for your grace. We thank you for your forgiveness. We ask you in Jesus' name to let the message they've heard today be a liberating message, one that empowers them to go to the next place. I speak prosperity and blessing over the minds of your people. May we rise up to become an amazing church that does amazing things around the world, that where we live, people would know they must have met Jesus. And I thank you for those who are watching from home as well. Bless them, strengthen them, oh God. Thank you for them being with us today. And may this be the moment when Jesus meets us, lifts us, and takes us to another place. I believe it's your will for us to have a powerful belief system that brings blessing to the lives of people around us. And may we inspire people to believe themselves to another place. Would you say this with me, please? Say, I believe God has called me to go to another place. I embrace God's will for my life. Now, Father, we believe that our, our life results are a reflection of what we believe. We believe that my future results can be improved if I improve what I believe. And I pray that in this series of studies that we will all grow in our faith. In Jesus' name. Every hand down, every head bowed for a moment. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, after hearing today's message, what you said about walking with Jesus and serving Jesus stood out to me. I want to start a walk with Jesus. I want you to pray a prayer for me today. I want to leave out of here knowing that I'm right with God. I want to make sure that I've made the right decisions with my spiritual life. And so I want to pray for people today. That's all I'm going to do. Right there in your seat or if you're watching from home, I'm just going to pray that God would let this be the beginning of a journey for you an opportunity for you to say, Jesus, I know I need you in my life. If you're here and you want to start a life with Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Say, pray that prayer for me, Pastor. I, I need you to pray for me. My walk with God, I need to pray. I want, you to, I want to join you in a prayer. Just raise your head bowed. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else saying, pray for me, Pastor? I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else saying, pray for me, Pastor? Ray? Thank you. I see you back there. Anyone else? I see you. God bless you. And I see you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Father God, we declare in Jesus' name over the lives of those who raise their hands and many who raise their hearts that this is the day that they start a new walk with you. We believe that Jesus died for them and gave them this moment where they can say, I surrender my life to you and you make the difference. And so can we all pray this prayer together? Say, Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you for loving me right where I am. I ask you to be the Lord of my life from this moment forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Thank you for being with us today. You are a blessing. Come on, give God one more big hand clap. I'm so glad you came today. I really am.